0: Welcome to the Keystone Church Podcast. Keystone Church is located in Keller, Texas in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Now, let's prepare our hearts for this week's message. So good. Proverbs chapter three is our passage today. And uh, this is uh, interesting because Proverbs three holds in it a scripture that is a life verse for me since I was a child. But God brought me to Proverbs three and said, it's the, it's the scripture forgive day. We're still in the series called How to Grow Your Family Tree. And let's read this together. Proverbs 3.1. My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord. This is the scripture that I learned as as a child. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This is the word of the Lord. And if you're in agreement with God and his word, would you just say with me, Amen? Yeah, Amen. I was uh, with. Some wonderful people this past week, a gathering of some pastors, and, and as we gathered, inevitably stories would be told. And one of the men that was there, he shared about how his grandfather had died. And if you've been through the journey of an aging, aging parent who has passed, you know that it's a lot of hard work than going through all the things. When it's the last grandparent, or maybe for you, the last parent, you're left with all those things and they had gone through a lot of work. They had gone through all those things sorting out and the siblings had said, oh, I want this or yes, I'll have that and they had gone through and they had dispersed it all and then there was some stuff left over and those things started going to grandchildren and that's where the, the man that I was speaking to, he's one of the grandchildren. It was his granddad that died and he got a call from his dad And he said, here's what's left if you would want it. Your grandfather's military uniform from the Korean War and his guns. And my friend, Jeremy, he was like, I could think of no better gift than my granddad's military uniform from the Korean War and his historic Guns, these are the guns, they're not special, they're not expensive, but they were his. Those were, he said to me, he said, Brandon, those were my treasure. I treasure those gifts. This same week, I was in a car with a pastor and we were headed to go fish, amen. If you follow me, you know this because you saw that I caught a four and a half pound smallmouth bass to the glory of God. Personal bests. Now, don't come up on me saying, that ain't nothing, that ain't no big deal. I caught a seven pounder. Okay, just let me be happy. (laughs) But we were driving to the lake to fish and he had a couple of, two pairs of sunglasses on his dash of his truck and he pointed out, he said, you see those sunglasses right there? I said, yeah. He said, I don't wear those sunglasses. I was like, okay. He said, those belong to my father and I knew his father had passed a couple years ago. He said, those belong to my father. He said, I keep them there because every time I look at those sunglasses, I can see my dad vividly putting those sunglasses on to go fishing. He said to me, Brandon, those glasses are a treasure. Today we're going to talk about family treasure. How do I grow my family tree? Well, we need to talk about your family treasure because what you learn from stories like that, people reflecting on Possessions that mean something. What we learn about possessions is we learn that possessions are a fact of life and they do have a story to tell about our human experience. They're deeply ingrained in our human experience. Possessions, money, treasure are part of life. The church cannot be silent on family treasure, possessions, money, investments. We cannot be silent on these things because the Word of God is not silent. Did you know that someone went through scripture and said, I want to find all the scriptures that reference money and treasure and how to handle it? And they cataloged over 2,000 scriptures in the Word of God talking about money, our attitude toward money, our attitude toward treasure, our attitude toward possessions. God knows that our things, our money, our income, our investments, they are ingrained in the human experience. And we need to have God's mindset toward treasure and as we talk in this series, we need to pass on a godly mindset as we view treasure. It's it's crucial. So the title of today's message is Family Treasure, Family Treasure. And it starts in Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs was written by a man named Solomon. Solomon was the third king of Israel. When they started having kings, there was Saul, then David. David would be, when he was a young man, he took on Goliath. So if you're unfamiliar with the story, David versus Goliath, he later became king David had a son named Solomon. Solomon became the third king of Israel. Interesting thing about Solomon, 2 Chronicles chapter one, verses one through 11, God basically says, hey, Solomon, ask what you want. I will give it. What did Solomon ask for? Does anybody know? Wisdom. Somebody said, stocks, cars. No, (laughs) Wisdom. It's really, it's amazing. He, he asked for wisdom, and God said, wisdom I will give you. He became the wisest and the wealthiest king of Israel. And notice what he said in the first verses of chapter three. My son, do not forget my teaching. What's he doing? The wisest, wealthiest king is speaking to the next generation. The wisest, wealthiest king is modeling for us how to take the wisdom that he had been given by God and pass it on to the next generation. How did Solomon speak of wealth? Here's what we're gonna do. At the end, I mentioned verses nine and 10, talks about honoring God with your your treasure, honoring God. What we're gonna do is we're gonna take the scriptures prior to that moment and we're gonna interpret verse nine and 10 in light of the scriptures that preceded it. In other words, we're gonna let nine and 10 come fully alive in the context of verses one through eight. Okay, That's what we're about. And if that was a little confusing, just buckle up and go for the ride. Here's what, here's what we look at. First of all, how do we, we're gonna look at how he talked about Treasure, how do we talk about treasure? How do we talk about treasure? There's a lot of dysfunction in this room right now about treasure, about money, about investing, about saving, about debt, about giving, about generosity, about sacrifice. There are lids all over this place. And the Bible is very, very clear. It's a lifelong journey of dealing with all the lids we have in our life but today i think we're going to make some progress money problems are a serious problem they say that among the leading causes for divorce financial struggle is right up there and if you grew in a home grew up in a home that had persistent financial struggle you as a child felt it didn't you you felt it it was like a wet blanket over the home It was fights between mom and dad. It was this sense that we can't do what other people do and and you felt it and it was uneasy. Statistics tell us, I, I deep dove into some of the statistics particularly about children and homes with financial struggles. And it became very, very clear that the impact is felt by the children maybe more than you would ever realize. Today, we're gonna look at how Solomon spoke about treasure and here's the promise. If you will adopt God's design for treasure, it doesn't matter how many zeros are in your bank account. It doesn't matter how much whatever your shoes that you're wearing right now, how much they cost. You can have a life-giving attitude toward treasure regardless of your income. You can have a life-giving attitude toward treasure regardless of your income. And here's the thing. If you have a life-giving attitude toward treasure, it is a gift to the next generation. There are people that have a lot of money and they are cursing the next generation with their attitude toward treasure. There are people with very little money and they are cursing the next generation with their attitude toward money. God says today we're gonna break those curses and we're gonna adopt his attitude toward treasure and it will lift lids, not put them down. It will unlock, not chain you down. So today there may be some things that you've inherited that you didn't think were that big a deal, and you're gonna learn today, it's jacked up. So how do we talk about money? Let's go back to Proverbs 3, nine and 10. This is the anchor scripture. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This is interesting, whenever God talks about money, he finishes with a promise. You'll see that in just a moment in another place in scripture. But how do we tend to talk about money? First, let's talk about the bad ways we talk about money. First, we speak in extremes. We talk about money. It's often very extreme. What does that look like, Brandon? It looks like you talk about it a lot, like extremely a whole lot, like too much. Like it's a constant thing. Like, why do we always talk about money? Why do we always argue about money? Why are we always looking at everything through the lens of money, what we don't have or what we do, what we want or what we wish we could have? Or to the extreme of never talking about money. Some of you grew up in that environment. It was never discussed. You were never coached up. You were never taught. It was fly, birdie, fly. Go figure it out. There was no coaching, There was no teaching. You just didn't have that instruction. And it was just something that y'all didn't talk about at all. 2,000 scriptures in the Bible, I think God wants to talk about it. Neither of those extremes are healthy. Another thing that we do when we talk about money, we speak from a theology of lack. This is a curse. Poverty mindset is a curse. Poverty mindset is against everything God stands for. Lack. Poverty mindset. Now, is that, Did I say, if you don't have as much money as the next person, then that's a curse? Absolutely, I didn't say that. I said a poverty what? Mindset. That's what's broken. It's not what's in your hand. It's what's in your thoughts and preceding the thoughts, what? What's in your heart. Poverty mindset is a position of looking at the world through a theology of lack. Constantly, can't afford, can't afford, can't afford, can't afford, can't afford, can't afford. Or if you have something nice, bought it on sale, bought it on sale, bought it on sale, bought it on sale. I'm just a poor old preacher. I got these shoes on sale. Constantly down, 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 down. Speaking, explaining away, apologizing. You've got a theology of lack. Expecting bad things to happen. Expecting this can't last. You have a theology of lack. Great story. I was told about a man and his daughter. And the daughter had gone water skiing with some friends. And she had the time of her life. She came back and she said, Daddy, we have got to get one of those ski boats. I mean, this thing is the most fun I've ever had in my whole life. I've never done anything like this. I got up on, on the ski, and it was just like heaven on earth. Daddy, we need a ski boat. They couldn't afford a ski boat. That daddy, this is a cool story told to us by the daughter. That daddy said, Kelly, what do you say? We can't afford a ski boat. Don't ever talk about us They make more money than us, you know. Then They they do this and that, and it really isn't fair because daddy works just as hard as them. See, that's a poverty. That's not what he did. This is gonna rock your world. This is what he said. He said, Kelly, knowing they couldn't afford the ski boat, he said, Kelly, what a great opportunity for you to pray. What a great opportunity for you to pray. What a great faith-building moment. If God wants us to have a ski boat and you pray for it, he'll give us a ski boat. If he doesn't want us to, to have one, he won't give it to us. Kelly, why don't you go pray? Now y'all know what happened. Little Kelly went and prayed. And somehow, miraculously, guess what happened? They were given a ski boat. <laughs> this is a true story. Some of are like, where can I find Kelly I've got a few things I'd like for her to pray for me. Crazy thing. I had Pastor Rob come up to me in between the service. He said, I've got a ski boat story too. I was the kid, went skiing with the friends, came back to dad, and dad, he, he, I said, daddy, we need a ski boat. I promise you, he told me this between service. We need a ski boat, dad. And you know what his dad did? His, His dad did it a little differently. He said, hey, son, let me sit down, and I'm gonna tell you, you know, right now, we can't afford a ski boat but I want to tell you why because your mama and I are prioritized giving to the Lord and so if we'll pray about that maybe God will open the door for us to have a ski boat one day you know what happened somehow pastor Rob started praying and this started happening they got a ski boat on sale on the side of the road somewhere it was just a little cheap little thing but man it worked and then they upgraded to another ski boat over time, upgraded, and then he, the dad would keep giving to God, and then they couldn't afford this and that, but then they'd somehow get the next, and isn't that the way it happens? Rob skied at Auburn University on the ski team, I believe. I may be inflating this. You know, I talk about my fish. You know, that five-pound uh, Smalley I caught <laughs> story. So between then and now, the story may be getting bigger, but truthfully, as I remember it, He played on the ski team with his wife, Kimmy, who was better than him. (laughs) I think. She's definitely the competitive one, I'm telling you, if you know Kimmy. Anyway, the point is this. What's the point? Don't speak from a position of lack. God has an adventure for your life. God has an adventure of your life. Don't have this sense of mealy mouth, poor, poor me. Come on, stand up. You're a child of the most high God. You're a daughter of the Most High King. You're a son of the Most High King. You have royalty in your bones, and it's not royalty that can be put upon your head by man. This is royalty that was given to you by God by the sweet sacrifice on the cross. He loves his children, and you can go boldly into his presence, and you can ask bold things. You can trust him with the result. You can trust him with the result. So don't have... You know, a, a poverty mindset didn't build this building. Poverty mindset, well, I mean, why would we ever have a a lake out front? Well, I mean, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't, I don't know. We just said, God, we're gonna dream big and if you give the money and we can afford to have beauty where people will drive by and see that God is beautiful and God is awesome and we wanna bless the community with the visual gift of the city, then God, you're going to give the money to make it happen and you know what, he kept giving and kept giving and kept giving because we dared to dream and dared to believe that God could build a beautiful thing. It wasn't a poverty mindset. Honestly, I didn't know how we'd afford it. I just believed God. It's powerful. Lack. Greed. The other side of lack. The other side of a poverty theology is a taker theology. Call it a prosperity theology, if you will. It is greed. Greed is putting your hands on something God has not given you. Greed is looking at possessions through the lens of they are the idol. Possessions are the idol. I'll be happier when. I'll be, I'll be secure when. I'll sleep through the night if, and often there's treasure attached to the end of that sentence. If you're one bonus away from being content, greed. If, 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 if the car's never enough, greed. You get the new car, never enough, greed. Greed greed is a way of looking through the world and says, I want, I need. How about compare, comparison? Always sizing up the person next to you, always looking at what they have, looking at what they do. This is, this is class warfare. I wanna speak about class warfare for a second. Our politicians and our media, the politicians for votes, the media for clicks, follows, which means advertising money, are pitting us against one another based on class. They're taking the lesser side of our nature and fueling discontent, greed, and lack for us to be against one another based on the zeros in our bank account. God has another way. God says we're not gonna judge one another based on the clothes that you wear, up or down. We're not gonna judge one another based on the zeros in your bank account up or down. There's somebody in this room right now that doesn't have a lot of zeros in their bank account, but you are banking treasure in heaven right now. You are banking it right now. I mean, I'm telling you, you got silver rims spinning when you're at the stop sign in heaven right now. And God sees you. Don't ruin your blessing by resenting somebody that can afford things you can't. Don't ruin your blessing with resentment and bitterness and class warfare. Don't ruin God's favor on you if you've worked hard and it's produced some zeros in your bank account. Don't ruin God's favor by looking down on people that don't have the zeros you have. Don't ruin the favor of God. God may be building up you financially so you can help other people. God may be building you up financially because you've been faithful in the past and He says, I can use that. I can use that. Don't judge one another. You don't know the story. You don't know what you don't know. There's often a story behind the story. How bad are you gonna feel when you hear the story behind the story and you talked about that person? You're like, oh man, now I gotta apologize. Now I gotta make it right. I gossiped about them. I was resentful toward them. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. Check it. Let me give you a, an illustration to, exa- to example this. Um, I've mentioned this before, some of y'all see a couple going down the hallways of our church and they're just holding hands and walking on sunshine. They're all lovey-dovey, even PDA. (laughs) You don't know what PDA is? Public display of affection. They're all walking down the hall and and honestly, if you're being serious, you look at them and you're like, they make me sick. (laughs) But I've always said, When it comes to married people, now I'm not talking about fifth graders at the mall. (laughs) When it comes to married, I mean, it's just, come on, man. When it comes to married people, I'll take PDA rather than no DA, right? And here's what you don't know. That couple walking down the hallway and their arms around one another, it's a miracle. It's a miracle because God saved their marriage because they were one signature away from signing the divorce papers and there are people in a small group that when they see them walking like that, they say, that's a bona fide miracle and they're celebrating and they're dancing in their hearts. Who are we to judge? You don't know what you don't know. Let's not judge one another. You don't know what was given to somebody. You don't know the gift. You don't know what was unlocked over here. And there are some people that when they spend their money, they are restraining their spending more than you are. But they just have more to spend. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. So let's not, you know, we just, we're not gonna do that. If you see somebody with some awesome shoes, oh, I love those kicks. You know, it's cool. Let's just be cool. If you can't afford those kicks, wear what you got, man. Just wear it. It's all about the vibe anyway, right? (laughs) It's all about the vibe. You carry it, you got it. All right. So these are some broken ways. There's a million more, but these are some broken ways we have in our legacies embraced bad patterns in our giving, bad patterns in our treasure. So let's go to the scripture quickly and look at three, three ways Count them, one, two, three. Yeah, three ways that Solomon interprets nine and 10 through the previous scriptures. Number one is commitment. How would Solomon teach us to speak about finance and treasure to the next generation? Number one, through the lens of commitment. What do he say in verse one? Let your heart keep, 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 keep my commandments, commitment. Speak commitment in your home. As for me and my house, We will serve. As for me and my house, we will participate. As for me and my house, we are generous people. We are giving people. We are tithing people. We are people that tithe. We're people that show up on a sacrificial day. This is who we are, and speak it out loud. I love what what Pastor Rob said. His dad pulled him aside and said, we give. We give, not everybody does, we do. And understand, no boat will take the place of what we're giving, that's commitment. That's commitment. I love that. Malachi chapter three speaks of broken commitments. Verse eight, but I'm gonna just warn you, this is not one that you're want to cut out and put on your magnet on your refrigerator. Just, how would you like this on your fridge? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. That'd be an interesting magnet. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You cheated me of the tithes and the offerings. Those are the two pockets. First, 10%, prioritize, fresh, hot off the grill, the first and the best, not the last and the leftover. You've cheated me of the tithes and the offerings. Special moments to do something extraordinary above the tithe. You've cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. You are under a curse your whole nation has been cheating me bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple if you do now we're getting to the refrigerator verse if you do says the lord of heaven's armies come on I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you will not have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. All the nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Notice how many times he says of himself, I am the Lord of all of heaven's armies. I am speaking with authority. I am speaking with power. And if you're trusting God as you give that tithe and your heart is beating fast because it's tight, you've got the Lord of heaven's armies behind your back. He has got your back. And he will will back you up when you do bold things for him. He will back you up. Look at that. That's commitment. That's commitment. Speak commitment. We are those kind of people. Maybe you didn't grow up with that. Maybe it's your first time to give today. Maybe you're a young couple and you're just getting started out. Maybe even started a new business or done something, new job, and and it kind of freaks you out to start tithing. Man, just take take the jump. Because here's what I know. I love preaching about treasure. I love it. And I want to tell you why I love it. It's not because of the miraculous, amazing things that God's going to do, although I celebrate that. I'm super excited about the stories that are coming. Every time. Every every time. I preach on giving. Miracle stories come back to me. How many times? Every time. Never, ever, ever has it missed because there are people right now listening to my voice and if you'll get in the game, you get a miracle. I don't know what that miracle will be, but God just promised that you will. I don't know what it'll be. You say, well, does that mean I'll give then I'll get more money? Sometimes, but if that's the only way God can bless you, then you just showed me your idol. If money's the only way God can bless you, and he chooses to bless you relationally instead of financially, then you just showed me your idol. God will bless you exactly the way you need to be blessed. That's best for you, but you will be blessed. You don't get the miracle if you don't get in the game. Stay on the bench, you don't score, okay? So get in the game, get off the bench. Dependence, what did it say in verse five, I read it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. What are you leaning on? There's only one thing that healthy you can lean on and that's God. Lean on God for your finances. Lean on God for your everything. This is where in Matthew chapter six, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Show of hands, anybody ever been to Mount Rainier in Washington? Mount Rainier, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, over here, Mount Rainier. Yeah, we're not a very traveled folk here. Um, (laughs) I haven't either. I would love to because here's what I've learned about Mount Rainier, it towers this mountain. I mean, it is a majestic thing. It is a stunning thing. It is a shocking thing. It's bizarro big. It towers so high, and all these glaciers at its peak, and everything else is in context of Mount Rainier. When you go to Mount Rainier and you start hiking around Mount Rainier, you'll walk by streams, and and the streams, there's the streams, but you know these streams came from that place, Mount Rainier, when you walk by a waterfall, you see these waterfalls and then boom, there's Mount Rainier. You know the waterfalls, they came from Mount Rainier and, and you know that down, uh, down part way down the mountain there are these wonderful, beautiful, beautiful lakes and you know that those lakes were created by those glaciers on Mount Rainier and you see these things, but just beyond them is the big old mountain, as you can see there. It's like the stream, the mountain, the waterfall, the mountain, And some of y'all are like, okay, dude, that's where we're going. We're going to Mount Rainier. Pastor Brandon talked about it. He sold me. I'm ready to go to Mount Rainier. And you show up at Mount Rainier, and it's a foggy day. That would be brutal, wouldn't it? You're like, there's Big Bang, folks. You know what I mean? It's like. You show up, and you're like, I'm looking for glorious Mount Rainier, and all I see is the fog. I mean, I can see the the stream by by my by my by the side of the car here. I can see the river, and and I'm told it came from Mount Rainier, but I just see the river. I can see this lake over here, but I'm just surrounded by fog. I, here's a waterfall. All you see is the stream. All you see is the lake. All you see is the waterfall through the fog. You can't see Mount Rainier, and I'm convinced right now that right now we have a fog of materialism, we have a fog of greed, we have a fog of lack, and we do not see that God towers over it all. He is the source of it all, and everything we have flows from him. Are you seeing only the things that he's given you, and you don't see him? You've missed him, you're in a fog. Today let the sun shine bright, let the fog clear, and let's all realize we all depend on him. We all depend on him. And then finally, humble obedience. It's kind of where we're at today. Today, I'm, I'm just challenging us to humbly obey. Verse seven, it says, be not wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes, be humble. And then two things, fear the Lord, turn away from evil. Just go do it. Do what God's told you to do. In view of the mountain of God, who towers over all of our existence, knowing he is supreme over everything, humbly, reverently. That's what it means, fear the Lord. It means live with a sense of whoa, live with a sense of reverence. This is God's. I don't wanna touch what's God's. Humbly obey. There's a couple... Older couple who was mentoring a younger couple, they were training them up, and this younger couple had a lot of brokenness from their past, from their parents, their family of origin, and this older couple just wanted to do something special, and so they invested in them and always spiritual, taught them financial, taught them how to be financially faithful, just taught them all, taught them generosity, tried to break those generational patterns with their investment in this young couple. Years pass, couple moves away, but they're in town and they wanna see this older couple. And it's been a while and this older couple says, you know what, here's what we're gonna do. We know they still kind of struggle financially, but I wanna see where their heart is. You see, you can struggle financially at times. You can go through seasons and still love Jesus with all your heart. It's all about your heart. And they said, we wanna, we wanna bless them, but we wanna see where their heart is. We don't wanna just bless them financially and you know, just feeds a monster of brokenness. Let's see where their heart is. So he said, all right, before we go to dinner, he pulls out of an envelope a title for a car he had paid for, a BMW. And the Lord's people said, amen. (laughs) Pulled out a title for a BMW, put it on the kitchen table. He said, when we come back, if they offer to buy our meal, they get the BMW. If they offer to pay the tip, they get the BMW. If they offer marble slab after dinner, they get the BMW. If they pull a bag of M&M's out of a purse and say, do you want one? They get the BMW. Any act of generosity, any act of give to the people who have given to them, anything. They get the BMW. At the end of the night, came back to their home after a dinner, envelope, stayed on the table. They didn't offer a thing. They didn't give a thing. No heart of generosity, no heart of gratitude. They're takers. And this couple wanted to bless them. That's an imperfect illustration of what I think of when I think of God who is waiting to bless us. And he's got it ready. Like, all he's saying is, if you will, then I will. He says it. If you honor me with your wealth, then I will. Bless you. If you stop cheating me of the tithes and offerings, then I will. And he is bending over backward the one who has already won your salvation on the cross, the one who fills you with this Holy Spirit, the one who changes you emotionally every day, the one who lifts lids every single day of your life, he is saying there's something inside of you that needs to respond to that for you to be healthy. So here's how I want you to respond, he says. Give. And I'm telling you, in my family, we've never outgiven God, ever. So today, we're about to give. I've actually already given online. But I wrote on an envelope a note about my gift. And I'm gonna ask if anybody gave online to do the same thing, take your envelope and just write, gave online, because here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna stand to sing. And If you gave online, I want you to bring that envelope with that little note. If you gave on this, I want you to move and bring it. As we start to sing, you leave your seat, you go to one of the giving stations, and you put that envelope in one of those giving stations for summer ministry. Now, I'm gonna tell you this and I want you to hear my heart. If this is a grumpy moment for you, and I love you, I do. But if this is a grumpy moment for you, hold the gift. because I have a theological belief that you giving with a twisted arm is not gonna be good. I would say, pray about it and then come back and give. I believe God wants you to do that, but don't do it from obligation. That is not our heart. I'd prefer you to get your heart right in the next five seconds. (laughs) But truthfully, if there's anything inside of you that's like, bowing up or anything, I'm going to let the Lord work on your heart before you ever extend the hand, okay? But for those of us, you got to understand, man, that's that's what we believe around here. It's not the first time I've said that. I believe a cheerful gift, God will multiply, and we're into the multiplication business. That's where the miracles are. So don't, don't compare yourself to the person to your left or to your right. Let's just all respond. I feel you ready to respond. Shall we pray together? And after we pray, we'll stand to our feet, we'll sing, and we'll all respond together. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that Jesus died on the cross for our sin and that you love us so much that through your death, you can conquer the brokenness in our lives even at the point of treasure. You can help break generational curses, even with money management. So Father, I pray right now that this would be a holy moment. Some of us, as we give, we're breaking a generational curse by giving today. Some of us, we're, we're starting new patterns by giving today, giving for the very first time like this. We've never tithed, we start today. We've never given above a tithe, we start today. Today, God, I pray something miraculous would happen that we would see lives changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about Keystone Church, please visit us at keystonechurch.com.